The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on what is finally a sunny afternoon in the Auburn Opelika area. Rain has moved on. It is sunny. It is beautiful here on this Thursday, May 25th, 2023. Hope you're all doing well. This is the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. Alongside me, as always, is Carter Bird. Um, Carter, we came into today hoping we'd have a lot of good things to talk about but just not not great right now for Auburn baseball with the loss last night to Vanderbilt and what's happening right now in Hoover against Alabama yeah I mean uh yesterday last night that was a frustrating game uh, it really was because it was and we're gonna we'll, we'll get into it for sure. that that Auburn was an inferior team in that matchup because and I have reason to to say that, and then we will get into it more today. I mean Auburn's struggling, and it's. I think it's hard not to chalk it up to what on earth, why is the SEC tournament bracket the way that it is? It doesn't have to be this stupid short turnaround for Auburn. From finishing a game at 12.30 this morning to playing the supposed-to-be noon game. Which started early. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is... It's bogus. It's so bad, and it's so frustrating that it doesn't have to be this way. And and I have thoughts on that. And I mean, Auburn's at such a disadvantage in this game. From from the turnaround, because look, no matter how you and you can you can t- call in and tell me I'm making excuses, whatever, whatever. Sure, I guess, but my point is, for hitters, baseball is an incredibly visual game. You have to be, your mind has to be right. Mm-hmm. Your eye, you got to feel good with your eyes. You got to be able to diagnose spin. And predict where balls are going to go. And when you've got four and a half hours of sleep, how are you going to do that? And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what's happening or what happened last night for Auburn baseball. What's currently happening. Uh, of course, the Tigers lose to Vanderbilt last night. They're currently down 5-1 to one, uh, to Alabama as we are just underway in the bottom of the fifth inning there in Hoover. So we'll update you all show long on what's going on with Auburn. Maybe they can uh, make a comeback and try to make this competitive and, and try to keep their SEC uh, tournament lives uh, going well. And so we'll see what happens there. We'll update you. We'll talk about what happened last night. We'll talk about what's happening right now and what this means for Auburn win or lose and so phone lines are open we'd love to hear from you uh, and hear what your thoughts are on this Auburn baseball team the situation they're in right now uh, the phone lines are open give us a call 
334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. I know a lot of our listeners have things to say. I know uh, they have feelings about all of this. And so we'll talk a lot about this today in this SEC tournament. Some big results yesterday, some big results today, some big games coming up later tonight there in Hoover. So lots of conversation about that. But don't you worry, we didn't forget Today marks 100 days until Auburn football returns. The countdown is officially on. Once it hits that 100-day mark, man, it's no time from here. You count it down from 100, you get to SEC media days, and at that point, football's right around the corner. So we'll talk about that, what gets us excited for college football and for Auburn coming up in 2023 as today officially marks the 100-day mark before Auburn football kicks off in 2023. Later on, coming up in hour number two, Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, joins us every single Thursday. He'll talk to us about this SEC baseball tournament, what he's excited about as we're 100 days out from college football around the Southeastern Conference. So should be a fantastic show today. Until then, phone lines are open again. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. And Carter, we'll start with what happened last night for Auburn and Hoover against Vanderbilt. You made a statement, and I agree. I don't think Auburn was the, the less superior team. I don't think they were the worst team. They had so many opportunities in this game and Vanderbilt was a fresher team sure and Auburn really didn't get going until the ninth inning where they made it a two-run game Vanderbilt was fast and And they did it early the SEC network lets you know about that they could not stop talking about Enrique Bradfield Jr. who yes look he's the fastest player in this upcoming MLB draft he's going to be probably in the big leagues at some point like so many Vanderbilt plays, players have been in the Tim Corbin era. But holy cow, the love fest was a little much. But that doesn't change the fact that I've never seen a team get luckier. Vanderbilt hit two hard balls all game. That was it. One of them was an out. Yeah, and and the fact that they they had well, you know three runs on three hits and, and four runs on four hits the and first, stuff like that. The first three hits did not leave the infield. Right. They were, and, they were soft contact. And Auburn's pitching gave up some walks. We saw that errors, early in the year. Errors yeah, walks and errors are what hurt this team back when they were playing Texas A&M and Alabama, where we were questioning what this team was going to be coming down the stretch. They went back to that a little bit with errors and walks. And in the SEC, where you're playing the best of the best in the country, You can't afford to do that, especially against a Vanderbilt team who can hit the baseball, who is going to run on the base paths, and that's how their first run was scored because they got on first, he ran all the way around, and they batted him in. And that's how it happened. And that's how Vanderbilt took advantage early against Auburn last night. He's got, what, 36, 34 stolen base attempts and 40 attempts? I mean, it wouldn't shock me. I'll look this up. I'm curious. I wonder... How many stolen bases Auburn has as a team? Bryson Ware got one last night. He did. What, what, his like fourth or fifth of the season? It wasn't very many. Enrique Bradfield may have more more stolen bases than than Auburn's entire team has this year. I, I think he legitimately has more than LSU. I think they made that point uh, during the game. But, I mean, man, it's just... Yes, that Vanderbilt team is really athletic, and they play good defense, and they're fast. But 
I didn't. I wasn't in that game sitting there thinking this Vanderbilt team is head and shoulders better than Auburn. Uh, I mean, you had Patrick Riley. I will say, looked awesome. He on did. The mound. He, he was throwing some gas. He came in he and locked Auburn, it down. He locked Auburn it down. Off balance. He gave up two earned runs on the two run home run in the in the top of the ninth. Uh, just a single walk, but eight strikeouts. He was phenomenal and. Auburn's at bats. I got a little worried about this against Missouri because you started slow. I didn't love the at bats early. You scored some runs. Then you went quiet again, as Auburn seems to do in Hoover. The at bats got sloppy again. And then you had the outburst late that really separated from Missouri. I don't feel like the at bats last night were, were very good. Uh, especially for the middle part of that game. I mean, Cole Foster jumps on on Vanderbilt for a solo shot in the first inning. Chris Stanfield, which, how about that? I'm talking about a guy who had two home runs coming in, who is going to be a power guy by the time he leaves Auburn. And had the uh, defensive play of the night. Yes, but, but he's going to be so good. He's a true freshman. He laces one out to left center. So you, you get your two solo shots. And, well, there you go. You Speak of a that? solo shot. That, How about that? I believe that is the home run record for Bryson Ware. Is it I not? Yes, it is. I believe so. That is, there Bryson you go. Bryson Ware, the new single season home run king in Auburn baseball history. And it's 5-2 Alabama. So maybe Auburn can get the bats going in the top half of the sixth inning. Good for him, man. Good for him. Solo leader at the top in home runs in Auburn baseball history. That's that's a good list to be on top of, given who's come through Auburn in their time. All right, so the last the last two games, or game and a half. Let's go game and a half. You've scored six runs. You've hit four home runs mm-hmm. and scored one run on... You hit three solo home runs, a two-run home run, and then have a... A single that scored a run. You're you're not getting on base in front of these guys that are doing it. As right. I say that, look at Ike Irish. Well, there's not a whole lot of small ball going on like that right there. That is so aggressive by Ike Irish. I absolutely love it. I love it. That is, you need something to start turning the momentum. You mm-hmm. hit a home run. Your next guy hits a ball kind of in the gap. I mean, it barely gets over the second baseman. And he is sprinting out of the box. He takes an aggressive turnaround first, and it's a hustle double into second base. And now Auburn's got a runner on second in scoring position. You're a single away from being smack dab in this game. Which is what you have to do, and we haven't seen Auburn do this. You're putting pressure on this guy that was dicing Mm -hmm. you up through five innings dicing you up this is not what happened last night well as you were mentioning there's been a lot of solo home runs that's not a strike that ball is at his neck and auburn and auburn just isn't really hitting and getting on base and doing things with guys on base it's a lot of swinging not even swinging for the fences but just getting a hold of some balls and not hitting singles and doubles can't be aggressive on the base paths no laying down bunts to move base runners like you we saw Vanderbilt do last, last night. night. Exactly. You didn't put the ball in play. Like, yeah, you, you hit your three home runs, and those are great, but you didn't put the ball in play. What's been disappointing for me is because early in the Missouri game and the first at-bat of the Vanderbilt game, Bobby Pierce, who's been a leader for this Auburn team the last two years, 
man, I felt really good watching him. I was like, it's not working out, but it feels like he's on it. It feels like he is about to have a, a breakout where he gets really hot. And then as soon as I said that after his first at-bat last night, his at-bats have been rough, mm-hmm. awful. And you see uh, Auburn moving him down to the uh, five spot today from the three spot. They moved uh, Bryson Ware up, um, Ike Irish up. Bryson Ware, by the way, who's now – did he hit a home run in, in the final game against uh, against Missouri last weekend? If he did, Bryson? If, if he did, that's four straight games with a home run. He had a RBI single, and he had two RBI singles. Look at look at him. I don't think he homered in that final game. No, he did, did he? Not. Okay, he did not. I, I I was trying to remember. But I don't think he did. He's homered in three straight games in Hoover, which in a is really big part. Yeah, which is impressive. And and unfortunately for Auburn last night, you had your your nine game winning streak in the SEC snapped. Um, but it went, look, it was bound to happen. We we jokingly talked yesterday about if Auburn made a run and, and went on a 13-game win streak to go into the NCAA tournament. That would have been ridiculous. Um, now, so he's hit a home run in five of the last six. It's impressive. That's impressive. That's what the all-time leader in Auburn home runs should be able to do. And he is doing it. And you're seeing other guys hit home runs as well. Cole Foster, Stanfield, those types of guys who are stepping up and hitting bombs. You need McMurray and Pierce to get going. Mm -hmm. You really need that. And honestly, because you you just had a – after Ike's double, Bobby just struck out, and Cooper hit a ground ball to the first baseman, moved the runner over. But you got to score Ike here. Because just getting one run after those first two swings of this inning, that would feel like a gut punch. Because, I mean, if you flip them, if you flip them, it's two runs. Mm-hmm. Right. It, you're, trying to, you're trying to build some momentum and carry that momentum and not just get the one solo home run. Which, yeah, it's cool. It's a home run. But at the end of the day, you're cutting into a four-run oh, deficit. That's one way go. to do it. There's a that's a pass way to do it. Pass ball by the catcher. Yeah, a pass ball. So there, so there, as we were just talking about, that gives Auburn a chance to be aggressive on the base paths, right? A double for Ike Irish allows you to be aggressive and play a little bit smaller ball and not have to worry about hitting five home runs to be in a baseball game. If Auburn comes back and wins this game, everybody needs to go back and put a star next to Ike Irish after the solo home run. Hitting a ball that should be a single. It should be a single. It's a single probably eight eight out of of ten times. But it's a hustle double for the lefty there. If he's a righty, he's probably out at second base running to that. But I like the aggressiveness. In a game like this, you have to Like I'm saying, put a star by it. Mm -hmm. That is an effort, a hustle play that could loom large as this game progresses. And in a game where... It's it's you're in it. You are single elimination from here on out because you lost last night. And in a game where does it look? Does this game at the end of the day does it truly really matter? Probably not. You are host. Auburn is hosting a regional. I mean, let's just go ahead and put that on paper. Auburn's hosting a regional, I think. And well, yeah, as of today, D one baseball idea is the ten seed. Mm-hmm. And eight Alabama of the, the six. 11, by yeah, way. eight of the sixteen teams hosting a regional coming into today were SEC squads, and that just shows what the SEC is. But in a game like this for Auburn, that if you lose, it's okay. 
you should be aggressive and you should be going for extra bases and trying to get guys home on wild balls and, and stuff like that. So it's good to see Auburn. Maybe they're waking up a little bit here in the top of the sixth inning as it is a 5-3 to three lead for Alabama in this elimination game. Auburn drops the one to Vanderbilt last night. We'll give you some more updates from this. Uh, we'll see if Auburn can score a little bit more. Carter, I know you have some things to say about the formatting of the SEC tournament and how the team in Auburn's position, not just because it's Auburn, but the team in their position every single year Always gets the short end of the stick in Hoover. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. All right, back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7. I don't know. As Auburn and Alabama battling it out, it is Alabama back to the bats and picking right up where they left off. 5-3 lead for Alabama. They got runners on first and second. Nobody out. But, but, all right, that's a moment where I don't think Cooper McMurray had the sense of urgency he needed. Yeah. That's a close play at first. And the, like, nonchalant nature that he did not really – stride out from first base to go get it allowed that to be an infield hit and those are yeah those are plays that I mean you have to make and you can't happen in a game like this where you have to win to move on and it it did not and I don't and he may not have been able to to do more but there did not seem to be an urgency to really stretch to try to get that out there well, Auburn in a tough spot now. They have a pitcher's meeting. Uh, first and second, nobody out bottom of the sixth inning. Carter, want to talk just a second about He's the... Out. He's out. The, he is 100% out. They they just showed it in slow-mo. He is 100% out. Well, we'll see what see what the call is. But I know with this the whole formatting of the, of the SEC tournament in Hoover, Auburn getting, of course, the late night, uh, the... The late night draw in game one versus Missouri. If you win, you then get the late night draw in your winner's bracket game two. That was obviously last night versus Vanderbilt. The game didn't get going until uh, a little bit later than scheduled. They played until, what, 1230 last night? And so if you lose that game as the five seed, if you win and then you lose, you get what Brad Law of the Auburn Sports Network called the toughest turnaround in the SEC tournament. And I think he's right where you play the second game of day three that starts anywhere between 12 and one o'clock and today it started early and let's i'm gonna be honest with you this is so dumb because it does not have to happen this way you have a morning session and an afternoon session every day and to this point the all the morning games have been the top half of the bracket the bottom half of the bracket plays in the afternoon the losers, I, I get playing the loser bracket game first. Yes. Top half of the bracket, that's the game that played earlier today where South Carolina looked horrific and A&M beat them to eliminate them from Hoover. Yeah, they did. And A&M is quietly charging up the, the um, I guess, the bracketology, I guess, is what you would call it for baseball. Um, but... You don't have to play this loser's game second. You don't have to. You can play the winner's game in the top half of the bracket 
second. And it does not change the scheduling at all for the weekend. Because you're not playing five games today. You're playing four. Like you have the previous two days. Play the winner's bracket game for the top half. Second. They've got plenty of time to rest. That makes sense. But doing what we do here with this is stupid. And it makes no sense. Because it's a quick turnaround for Alabama. It's a quick turnaround for Alabama. And Auburn played an entire game after their their game. Mm-hmm. Auburn finished the game at, what, 12.30, yeah. 12.40 yeah. last night? Literally. Which means they probably went to bed at, at the earliest 2.15? And that's Probably if you lay your head down on the pillow and go right to sleep. And then yesterday, they got up at 10 after finishing their game around midnight, like 12.05. Um, for this game, I'm assuming you're up at the earliest 8, or at the latest 8. Yeah. Because you got to eat, you got to have a team meeting about what you're going to see out of Alabama, and you got to go get BP somewhere. Which they'll they do at Hoover or Samford or these various places. But this is stupid. I'm with to you. make this Auburn team play on five and a half hours of sleep tops. And again, it's not it's not because it's Auburn right now. It's a bad turnaround in general. Like it's a bad setup in general for whoever is in this situation because you get punished for where you are in the draw. And I'm with you. It doesn't have to be this way play the loser game first on this thursday play play the top half of the Mm -hmm. the bracket loser game first yeah we're all in agreement there then you play the winner game on the top half exactly then you play this game right now the loser bracket game one and then uh, tonight in the final game you play the other winner game i think that makes sense you stagger them too because it it allows because i don't think i've ever seen the late game in hoover start on time i don't think it's ever happened I mean, if it's scheduled to start at eight, it's starting at nine thirty. Yeah, and like last night, and last night wasn't even because of weather; it was because of two of the games, two went eleven to extra inning innings games in front of you, where you had dope walk-off home mm-hmm. runs. How about Florida? How about Florida? How about Florida? Love and to see it. They played with their food for ten innings. Yes, and then hit a walk-off grand slam, and it was sick. It was awesome, and and look, credit to them; they're a really, really good team. But credit to Alabama at the same time; they've turned around and. Here they are. They're playing really well. And they have, uh, what, a bases loaded situation going on right now? So, But, like, this is so unnecessary. And it's legitimately not fair to Auburn. And I know, and again, I know this sounds like sour grapes and excuses. But I challenge you to say, give any team four and a half, five hours of sleep throw them out there in a must-win game. The bats are not going to look great. Mm-hmm. And the pitching has gonna, it. You're, you're, they're at a disadvantage. Alabama probably got, what, seven and a half hours of sleep? Maybe right. Eight, and, closer and, to eight? And that's the thing, too. It's not like Alabama had a massive advantage. They're having a quick turnaround, too. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it's a quick turnaround for that. And, I, and that's the point I made. But this is a stupid turnaround for Auburn. 
it's the hardest turnaround in the tournament. And Auburn trying to they're trying to bounce back. They're trying to hang on. Both teams in this elimination game. Um, we'll see what happens as of right now, according to D1 Baseball. Both teams are hosting. Uh, coming into today, I mentioned this once already. Coming into today, D1 Baseball had eight SEC teams hosting a regional. Only 16 teams host, and half of them were SEC squads. Now, after South Carolina's performance today, I don't think they're going to be hosting in an 0-2 effort in Hoover. Well, well, we say that. We say that. But the Big 12 is a disaster. Their only host option was Texas, who got upset yesterday. And last I saw in their loser's bracket game was losing to K-State. Uh-oh. And if they lose that, the Big 12, which generally is, what, the second Best conference in baseball? Second or Second, third. third, depending yeah. on depending on how up the, the ACC is that mm-hmm. year. That would shut them out of having any hosts out of the 16. I can't, I can't recall the last time the Big 12 has had that happen. That has not happened since the 2016 season with the Pac-12, mm-hmm. where a major conference, top four RPI conference, had zero hosts. It's been wild around conferences in, in there. K-State won 6 nothing, by the way. So Texas wow. Texas's host, host chances are dead. Wow. That means the SEC may just hang on to eight host sites out of the 16. We'll update you on Auburn and Alabama when we come back. Plus, we'll talk Auburn football as we're 100 days away from kickoff. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. And Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. All right, halfway through our number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Update from Hoover before we talk a little uh, college football. Uh, Alabama squeaks one by. Uh, they get a sack fly to the right field, so they have runners on the corners. It's 6-3 Alabama, one away, bottom of the six. So, we'll, again, we'll, we'll update you as the game goes on here. And one, I guess, final okay. point about this, because it's so evident that Auburn is Auburn's dragging a bit out there. They are they are tired. I mean, how are you going to legitimately uh, put Auburn at a disadvantage for getting red hot and running all the way to the five seed? I would have rather Auburn lose a game or two more if we're talking just about success in Hoover, not the whole host conversation because that's different. I would have rather had Auburn be the nine seed or the eight seed like Alabama because then you don't have to deal with this garbage Mm -hmm. yeah it's tough it is it's and look it's easy for us to sit here and say it because it's Auburn yes but at the same time if you just look at the history of the SEC tournament with a with a team at the five spot it's a tough spot to be because you win and then you lose and then yeah you're you're put in a tough spot like we're seeing in this game right now uh, Auburn trailing Alabama seven to three now and so trying to just trying to stay alive in this sixth inning let's get to the phone lines though for the first time today 334-321-1390 inspector you're on the line welcome in hey guys I, I agree with everything you just said uh you know if, uh, what is what is Auburn's chances of winning the tournament coming into this game? Pretty very low, low I would but, say. But but I mean, this is a yeah. huge game for Auburn because if you win, you one hundred percent unequivocally, without a doubt, lock up a host spot. And Auburn's <laughs> dragging out here right now. They've given up thirteen hits 
in I thought that, six I thought that was a, I thought that was a given. What well, you're you should be you should be, but uh, I mean it's your RPI becomes a conversation because you're right around that kind of fourteen to seventeen range coming into this game, and I mean the the committee I guess could figure out a way to justify uh, knocking you out, but I mean I. I think Auburn is going to host. I think that is you locked it in with the Missouri win, but losing two two consecutive games does not help the RPI no matter what. Well, you got to look at the circumstances too. Everybody, you know, even the people that pick have to look at what Auburn and Alabama has gone through with the weather and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, if I was if I was coach, if I was Thompson, you know, I would look at it going into this game. I'm not putting my best pitchers out there. If we win the game, we win the game with our inexperienced pitchers and giving them giving them work on top of that. Uh, you know, um, I just don't see us going any further in, in the tournament. And it's only going to wear our team out going which, into the- Yeah, which which is an understandable argument. And, and look, that's sort of what I was saying. Does this game against Alabama really, really, really mean anything? No. Yes, if you win, you would, like Carter said, you would no doubt about it, 100% host. But at the same time, if you lose, does it hurt you? I don't think at the end of the day that it'll hurt you all that much. And so I understand your argument. I do, Spectre. Yeah. What, what would hurt you worse going into the uh, to the series? Not the World Series, but the uh, college playoffs. The regionals? The regionals, yeah. Regional. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Going into the regionals with a worn out team with 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 pitchers that are just worn out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it's you know we t- haven't had a we haven't had a good pitching staff all year until until recently that mm-hmm. came alive. But you know that could change overnight. Yeah, I mean, I I you obviously don't want to have guys get injured, and I think yep, in a best true. case scenario, I think Auburn only had about enough pitching to last four games in Hoover and you're you're seeing them kind of sputter here through three I think that it was the the sand in the hourglass was going to run out uh if Auburn were to win this game I think I think game four would be ugly because I just I don't know who'd throw I don't know who'd be on the mount uh and that's part that's part of the reason because of the injuries that you've had this year uh and I mean, Tommy Vale threw a bunch of pitches. Uh, Chase Ossip threw a bunch of pitches. Heck, John Armstrong uh, threw more pitches than I thought he should have last night. Yeah, this way you're going to be well-rested going into the regionals. Which is fair, uh, yeah. Exactly. But uh, that's the way I look at it, and I I agree with what you were saying earlier. And uh, we'll just take it at that. We'll see what happens. That's right. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Spectre, we appreciate the call, man. Good to hear from you. That is Spectre joining us on the phone lines as we are uh, just underway in this segment. Talking Auburn baseball. Again, we'll give you updates as we go uh, throughout the show today as uh, looks like Alabama's gone to the bullpen here to start this seventh inning. It's 7-3 Alabama, top half of the seventh. Auburn has work to do with the bats. But for the next few minutes, want to sort of switch gears a little bit because you know what today is, don't you, Carter? We're 100 days yep. away from kickoff, my friend, of Auburn football in September for 2023. 
And man, I just don't think it can get here soon enough. I know Auburn fans are excited. I know we're excited, man. What what a refreshing time it is to talk about Auburn football and actually be excited about the 2023 season. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we had to manufacture that excitement last year. And, yes, and <laughs> to say the least, you're absolutely right. Heck, I re- remember um, some of the callers not loving that I was like, this is a 6-6 six and six team. <laughs> and saying that I was way low on that. And Auburn barely got to 5-7. and seven, uh, And were gifted a Missouri win and had to fire a coach to generate some some life uh, in the program. Um, yeah, I mean, there's legitimate excitement this year. It like it's Last year, I thought people were way too high on Auburn coming into the year, considering the dysfunction that existed. Uh, this year... I think nationally, everybody's too low. I mean, Auburn's win total is what, at that six and a half mark? Yeah, it seems to be pretty steady right there, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I would be disappointed if Auburn did not win at least seven games. I'm with you. I I think, think, yeah, I'm with you. My my mind goes to eight and four. That's kind of where it's, it's starting to settle. Um, Seven wins, seven and five. I mean, I would, I think you, I would shrug at that and be like, ah, it's your one. Like, seven and five. It's an improvement. It's a two game improvement. It's better than it was last year. You know what Hugh Freeze is building with the talent. He had to do so much revamping of the roster that I could, I could see how seven and five, like, it wouldn't be a negative by any means, but, but seven and five with competitive games, I'm okay. I'm okay yep. with competitive games at seven and five. That's that's competing I mean, with Bama, Georgia, LSU, not getting blown out. On, you know what I'm on, saying? Competing with Bama and LSU is a different thing right now than competing with Georgia. And I don't expect Auburn to be that close in the Georgia game. But I think with the with the atmosphere in Jordan Hare Stadium, uh, with what you have shown the last two years against LSU. I think you can compete with LSU, even though it is on the road. But the Alabama game, and with how I don't believe in this Alabama team coming up this year, I think you should be in that game. I'll agree with you on that, but Georgia, I think, is a tough ask. Yes, I get Georgia. But I'm saying, just in general, right? You don't want Alabama to come in here and beat you by 14 points. You don't want LSU to beat you by 17, 14 points. Like that's, I'm saying if you go 7-5... and five, okay, I, I will say this. I'll be disappointed if the, if you go seven and five and your LSU, Alabama, and Georgia games feel like the Penn State game last year. Exactly, that would be exactly that'd be whole oh boy. But That's, I don't think that, that happens because I think the I coaching agree. is better and the talent is one million well, yeah, percent you've, better. You've got a coach that actually understands college football, the SEC recruiting. Um, coaching to the skill level and talent of his players, mm-hmm. getting the most out of his players. Um, and I don't care what Chris Lowe at ESPN writes, Brian Harson's not the victim. Yeah, that's been that's been floating around that article that came out today. That's a I just want to get that. Point. That's a whole different conversation, man. That 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 it is. It's just a whole different conversation. And and here's what I'll say on that really quick, if we're going to open that. He's not here anymore. Who cares? That's what I say. 
Brian Harson's gone. He took his $15 million. He's back in Boise. Congrats to him. So, okay. I hope him and his family are just fine. They are. Good for them. He's not here anymore. Who cares? No. It's I, a new no, era. I, I disagree for, because of this. Because the effects of his two years, they're still going to be felt three, four years from now. But that's and with every coach. You can lessen it more. Well, in a negative way, a coach that's fired no, has lingering effects look, on a program. Look. Gus Malzahn at the end, yes, you, you could feel those effects during the Brian Harson era. You can still feel them now. But when your coach is that bad, when he's that dysfunctional, when he does, when he's presented with a, an option, he's got two options, and he chooses the wrong one at every turn and sours the culture in the locker room, in the program, and everything surrounding it, that impact is more significant than... Then the Gus Malzahn, like, ah, oh, he didn't recruit the offensive line that great, and some of his four-star receivers didn't really pan out, and you couldn't really develop high school quarterbacks. Well, yeah, you're not but, wrong. Look, I'm, I'm saying, if you, if this was the NFL, and you could sign an entirely new squad, and and the effects of what Brian Brian Harson did, or the the what he did not do, if that was wiped 100 percent clean, yeah, I'd be with you, but. You asked you freeze to to scale a mountain and he started in the Marianas Trench in the Pacific Ocean. And he's done a pretty good job. Yes. But but like that's that's part of the reason why why I do want to there are some Auburn fans that have gotten a little carried away and are like, well, we saw what happened in twenty twelve and then we saw how Auburn went to the national championship in twenty thirteen. You go from three and nine to to twelve and two or whatever it was. And, or twelve and three, and if Gus Malzahn could do that, and Hugh Freeze is, is doing better at bringing in talent, we think Hugh Freeze is a better coach. Why can't he do the same? Is look, there was talent on the twenty twelve team. It was dysfunctional and all that. There legitimately was not talent, or at least not that much talent, thanks to Brian Harson on this roster. That's why you had to go get twenty transfers. But here's where it's different from 2012 and 2013 to what we're in right now. You're right. You're absolutely right that Brian Harson did some really bad things here, did some just not good things. He just didn't do the things that were that were needed to be successful. Positive. Correct. And did very negative things. It would be totally different if it were Hugh Freeze or whoever the coach that Auburn hired in this offseason, if he had come in and he couldn't recruit and he couldn't get guys in the portal and he didn't have a football facility and didn't be and wasn't as successful as he has been already because he's knocked it out of the park man he is he has blown everybody's expectations out of the water it would be different if a guy had come in and had pulled seven transfers and hadn't found a quarterback and hadn't done all the things that Hugh Freeze has already done, then I think you can make that argument and say, yeah, Brian Harson really left a dark cloud over this program, and it's really going to be felt over the next three to four years. I don't think that's the case with Hugh Freeze. I think it's going to be felt for at least two years. And and I think that any other coach would not – you would have felt it for – any other coach other than Hugh Freeze, you would feel the Brian Harson effect for – for five years but when I look at like okay because the records were really similar at the end of both of these tenures give me the end of the Tommy Tuberville era like take Tommy Tuberville's tenure and plop that thing where his last year is is 2022 
Then, with what Hugh did, going and landing what he... If he does the same thing and makes the same amount of upgrades to the roster, and but he's got SEC talent because he's, he had a coach that was a coach in the SEC for a, a well over a decade, then I think we're talking about an Auburn team that I think the expectation could be 9-3, 10-2. But, but I, 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 I think we, we are not, we will, you, you may not see them in the first three games. You may not feel them right now. But when you get in the heart of SEC play, there will be moments where you look at what the product is on the field for Auburn and you look at the results on the field and you say, man, that is that is Brian Harson. That that has Brian Harson's fingerprints on it. And Hugh Freeze can only do so much to cover that up. And 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 that's why. But and it's because of the 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 arrogance and the way that he has played victim about his time at Auburn and all of that and the lack of effort that I that have never seen on the scale that I saw with Brian Harson. That is why I'm still willing to be critical because it's going to affect these next couple years and the way that he's handled it. I feel like he's it's been soft for a guy who made his entire persona around being tough and gritty. This has been the softest way to to end a tenure and have people carry water for you at yes. ESPN. Look, I get it. And I can get behind that. I can. I can get behind the fact that, yes, when you are playing LSU or even when you play Georgia or even when you play Alabama in the Iron Bowl, there will be some instances where you look and say, wow, we just don't have – Auburn does not have the talent compared to Alabama – and doesn't have the depth compared to Alabama because of what happened with Brian Harson. I get that. But at the same time, that happens when any coach is fired. I get Brian Harson is a lot more traumatic than what most coaches' tenures are at a school. But when a coach is fired, you feel the effects of it. That's just how it goes. Yes. That's how it we, goes. We agree. But I, I legitimately don't think we have seen somebody in such a short span affect a team, affect a roster in a negative way, as Brian Harson did. But you can only cry that for so long, in my opinion. And that's what I'm saying with the Chris Lowe article about Brian Harson. the next game in the first season of Hugh Freeze. I, I, I'm not crying it no, I'm, I'm egregiously not, late here. I I'm know. saying you're going to see the effects. And, and Freeze, I can agree with by that. By year three, you're not going to see the effects anymore. There will be a little bit of lingering effects in 24. 24, Hugh Freeze will have this team at 8-4 and four or better. I can... Almost guaranteed yeah. with the way that he's recruiting. I 100% agree. Year three, that's going to be when I 100% feel that this is Hugh Freeze's roster. I think we're making the same argument, just saying it different ways. Because I'm with you. Well, I'm uh, with you. you. We, we have different perspectives on whether we're allowed to continue to be critical and blame Brian Harson. Auburn's going to lose games in 23 because of what Brian Harson did in 21 and 22. And I, I agree. I absolutely agree. We got to get to our final break here in our number one. We'll wrap it up when we come back. This is the Thursday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. 
wrapping up hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Update from Hoover. Auburn back to the bats. They start out the eighth inning with a strikeout. They trail Alabama seven to three. They're striking too much in this game. Man. And that wasn't a good and pitch last either. night, I, they struck out so many times. Yeah. And they were not competitive pitches either. They're, they're, they're pitches that you shouldn't be swinging at. Yeah, it, it just seems like maybe Auburn has cooled off a little bit. And and, and like Spectre was saying, um, if Auburn loses this game, maybe it's not the worst thing oh, in man. the world, right? Maybe oh, it's not man. the worst thing in the world. You didn't you didn't see that last pitch. Justin no, I Kirby, didn't. He went around. He tried to check his swing, but he went around on a pitch that hit him in the knee. Oh. It hit him in the back knee. Well, that's not great. And he swung at it. Yeah, that's not. But again, it just. And you said it too. Even late or early in that Missouri game, in game one of this you SEC tournament, you starting that game, right? Then you settled in. You scored some. Did you? Then the the at bats got a little squirrely for for a couple innings there. And I and I kind of was sitting there and I was wondering, Missouri's gonna get a run here if Auburn doesn't doesn't put some on them and mm-hmm. kind of break their will. Lucky enough, the Auburn bullpen pitched its rear end off in that game and then you put up a bunch of runs on the in bot in the bottom of the eighth uh and put that game away by the way uh, it's also stupid that auburn's not the home team in this game yeah as I, the five seed playing the ninth why seed. is that i don't know they probably flipped a coin because they're both that's what i thought losers or something that's what i thought they maybe just but flipped a coin before the game and bogus and dumb and stupid and every other adjective you yeah you that throw doesn't out. make uh, there's has to be a reason maybe it may just come down to a coin flip i don't know but uh yeah auburn uh losing to alabama seven to three top of the eighth in the elimination game wanted to uh remind everybody really really quick uh with us being an espn affiliate we have uh, the fantastic opportunity to air some really really good espn uh programming that's a lot of live broadcast and baseball season is right in the heart of it right now and this weekend uh we want to i want to call all braves fans because tune in all weekend long right here on espn 1067 as we are going to have your atlanta braves as they host the philadelphia phillies and the nl east matchup there from truest park we'll have game times on saturday and sunday so on saturday the braves will play right here on espn 1067 starting at 2 30 and then sunday night for sunday night baseball at five o'clock so again be sure tune in this weekend don't miss your chance to hear the braves right here on espn 106.7 the auburn opelika sports leader when we come back hour number two will be upon us we'll talk more baseball and college football as we are 100 days away Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. 
You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Thursday, everybody, as we get underway in hour number two here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds not the back. I'm Jacob Goins. Alongside me, as always, is Carter Bird. If you missed any of hour number one, lots of baseball talk as Auburn and Alabama battling it out in Hoover right now. Tigers running out of time in the elimination game. We talked a lot about what happened last night for Auburn versus Vanderbilt and gave you updates throughout what's going on in this game right now also talked a little football we'll talk some more of that here in hour number two as it is 100 days away from kickoff for Auburn football and most of college football in general and so uh, again hope you're all doing well if you missed any of hour number one be sure to go and catch up with the podcast you can find it one of two ways at espnau.com just click on the podcast center you'll find it right there commercial free or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast it'll be up right after the show today but coming up here at hour number two we'll give you updates again from hoover talk about what auburn has to do if they want to come back in the next uh inning or so it's bottom of the eighth alabama the home team on top of auburn seven to three what happens if auburn loses this game We'll talk about what the outlook looks like for this team. Also talk a little bit more college football as we are 100 days away from kickoff for your Auburn Tigers. So looking forward uh, to talking about that as well. It'll be here before you know it. I promise you that, folks. Then coming up at 3.30... Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, will join us as he does every Thursday, talking everything baseball from the Hoover Mets, talking about football with it being 100 days away and everything else going on around the Southeastern Conference. But until then, we'd love to hear from you. Take your phone calls. We'd love to get you on the air. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. That'll get you through to us. You can call in and be on the line. We'd love to hear from you. But As we get into hour number two, Auburn, as I mentioned, Carter, they're running out of time. They have to get out of the bottom of the eighth, and then they have three outs to to make it happen down by four there in Hoover. Yeah, it feels like the exact same, what, situation as last night? Mm -hmm. Down four, going to the top of the ninth. They'll probably score a couple. They will uh, do something in the ninth. I, I, I feel confident in that, but you you leave yourself too big of a hill to climb. Uh, I don't know if you heard the the stat that they had. Um, teams down four plus runs in the ninth inning. There has been one comeback win in SEC tournament history. Do you know when? Hmm, I don't. Nineteen seventy eight when Auburn did it. <laughs> really? Yes. Okay, I did not know that. Did you know that before they told you that? I did not, but I <laughs> laughed and I was like, we've done this before. 19- it was just 45 <laughs> years ago. Auburn's done it once. They can do it again. 1978 in the SEC tournament. That's impressive. That's really impressive. Well, Auburn down by four, uh, still in the bottom half of the of the eighth inning. They've got to make a comeback somehow. But yeah, you're exactly right. It, it's a spitting image of what yesterday was where you were down by four. Yeah, you hit... A now, home run and now, got two. How we got here is drastically different because yes. Auburn's offense was basically the same. A home run, mm-hmm. uh, not great at bats, but Vanderbilt scored six runs off a bunch of soft contact and walks and errors. Mm-hmm. Alabama has just smacked you around the yard all day. They have seven runs on 14 hits. So that's, I mean, you, you just can't do a whole lot about that 
if you're giving up hits and you're giving up runs, yeah, you're just you're giving yourself a too big of a deficit to try to come back from. We'll see if Auburn is able to do it. Let's get to the phone lines, though. 334-321-1390. And Ed, you're on the line to start hour number two. Welcome in. Hey, guys. Let me tell you, I am, why don't y'all just say that you're going to sit there and call the game and, and just do not – I've been caught for 30 minutes, been calling in. And all I hear, listen, Auburn's losing the baseball game. If you just want to sit there and call the game and call that a show, just say that's what you're going to do. For goodness sake, guy. All right, Ed. I mean, we've we've talked about a bunch of different stuff, but that was a totally pointless call. But good talk. He hung up, Ed. We appreciate the call. Look. (laughs) Auburn is playing baseball right now, right? Auburn's playing baseball in the SEC tournament. We're not giving play-by-play. We ain't, we're not calling it every pitch like I normally would for high school baseball. We're giving you updates. Uh, we're giving you updates. We've talked about the Auburn-Vanderbilt s- game. We've talked about this Auburn-Alabama game. We're about to talk about what happens when Auburn loses this game in the next three outs. And we talked football. We had a caller talk about baseball. I don't really know what else you'd like us to do. I mean, it's a auburn area sports radio show and there is an active auburn team playing a game as we speak it is what it is well to get into a similar but different conversation auburn's (laughs) top of the ninth you got four runs you got to score to extend this game and as i mentioned to talk about here in hour number two to give you a rundown of what we are going to discuss what happens if auburn loses this game what does the outlook look like right we talked about in hour one how this game doesn't does it matter? Yes, but necessarily no, because you're going to host, I think. I think you and I are both very yes. confident in that, that Auburn is going to host, even if they lose this game right here. You're going to host for the second time in a row. You Which have is a, impressive. It's, it's very impressive. It's absolutely impressive. And it should be, the credit should be given to this Auburn team, to Butch Thompson, given all of the factors that he deals with every single year as being the head coach at Auburn, at Auburn baseball. So, you're going to host a regional. And as Spectre said in hour one, I think it's a really good point. You're going to get, what, a week and a half off? Maybe not quite. You're going to get a solid week off yeah. to rest and get your mind right. It'll be, it'll be seven, seven full days. Yeah, more, it should be. Likely. I mean, I, wait. I think some regionals, some regionals may start on Friday. A, a lot start on Thursday. I know that. Mm-hmm. Some may start on Friday. I can't recall if that's the case. Regardless. Like you said, you're going to get a full seven days yes. off if you're Auburn baseball, and Which this team needs it. They I do. Mean, the The way that they got so hot, won all these games, to be in the host conversation. I mean, that's a grind, and they did a great job. And then with the format of the tournament, they got the short end of the stick, and a what is a grind in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Hoover and it, to win in Hoover. Best case scenario, you're playing five games in five days. And Auburn just doesn't have the pitching for that. They just don't. They don't no. have – there's not a lot of teams that have the pitching for that. And that's what makes the SEC tournament in baseball so hard. It's what makes it hard in general. Basketball, too, where you got to go, especially if you play on night one or day two, you have a lot of basketball to play in a very short amount of time. Same thing with baseball, which is why in Auburn's situation – it really isn't even as crazy as this sounds. It's really not in their best interest to make a run in Hoover. They are getting the wins. The, the Missouri game you had to have. You needed the Missouri game. 
after that, we talked about how two and two would be really, really good, and that would secure you as a host no matter what. I think given what's happened in front of Auburn and given the fact that you beat Missouri, I think you're fine. And I think you're going to host and you enjoy the time off. mm -hmm. If South Carolina is still in the discussion to be a host, Auburn is should be in the clear. Given what they did, yeah. And John Cohen is on the committee, so you got to assume Auburn's not going to get shafted that way. Right. Maybe not get helped because of it, but not get the short end of the stick. But I mean, he walks in the room and... Auburn's the two seed headed to across the country to go play some Pac-12 school. He's probably not going to let that happen. I don't see how you could get Auburn as a two seed. Well, no, I, I I know. I'm just saying. I'm not right. saying like in a hypothetical situation. I mean, it look, 18 SEC wins is dadgum strong. Mm-hmm. Dadgum strong, especially the way you finish it with what 13. You'd be 13 and five in your final 18. That'd be unbelievable in the best conference by far in college baseball oh yeah i mean the big 12's down a little bit acc is the acc they've got some really good teams here's the stat you need to know coming into today from d1 baseball in the rpi they had out of the 16 teams that host a regional in the ncaa tournament half of them were sec teams think about that yes eight sec teams were on the record and and projected to host a regional coming into today. Now, did that change? We'll find out. Will that change? Maybe. But coming into today, half of the regional ter- the regional sites will be SEC schools. Nobody else gets even close to that in college baseball. All right, so this is interesting. When you look at the RPI, when you look at strength of schedule, so from Auburn at 16 up, the lowest SEC team is Florida at 23. So that's Auburn, uh, Alabama, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Florida, Arkansas, LSU, Kentucky. Every one of them in terms of strength of schedule is 13 or better. LSU is 13th besides Florida, who's 23. The highest, with the exception of Clemson, who's got the fifth strength of schedule, outside of that outlier, the next highest strength of schedule is Coastal Carolina at 21. And then it's Wake Forest at 33. Yeah. Like, that that should give you the picture of how hard it is to play in the SEC. Like, Auburn's got, this is going to be, if Auburn doesn't score, three more runs here, uh, which I missed. Mm-hmm. How did? Well, they got on second, run? and then, no, they oh. uh, we got on second, and then Auburn hit a, an RBI, so that's, drove him in. That's how I know we're, we aren't doing play by play. <laughs> because I did not know how Auburn scored. And they're trying to. They're trying to stay alive. But, yes, if Auburn doesn't score and they don't win this game, you're okay. You've you've got this league where half your teams are in the top 16 in the RPI, and you're over half of the top 13 of of the strength of schedule in America. It's ridiculous, man. It's tough. If Auburn loses this game, this would be Auburn's 21st loss. And they're still going to be a top 16, 17 RPI team. As they should. The next 21 lost team, how far down you have to go, is 30 to find UNC. Wow. Hmm. And Auburn's going to be in the top 17. Yeah, easily. And they should be. They should be. And, and, And that's the thing about the SEC tournament, too, in baseball, 
It's a gauntlet, man. You had to play Missouri. Fine, you were better than them. Then you played a really good Vanderbilt team. If you won that, congratulations, your prize was Florida. You lost, so congratulations, your prize is Alabama, who, we've mentioned it before, they're playing really good baseball right now. Yeah, and number 10 in the RPI. It's amazing what they've done since Brad Bohannon got fired. And that's just on this portion of the bracket. You still have LSU and Arkansas up top. And South Carolina got booted. Man, it is tough to watch Auburn. Auburn is pressing at the plate and swinging at balls way out of the zone. Like, Which goes back Bryson to the Ware, Missouri game. Bryson Ware, who's the hottest hitter on Auburn's team, I mean... He's chasing stuff way out the bottom of the zone there. Who, by the way, we haven't mentioned it here in hour number two. In case you missed it, he hit a home run in this game, and he is now the all-time leading home run hitter in Auburn baseball history. So congratulations to him. Yeah. I mean, that's when you pass Hunter Morris on that list, on a list that has Sonny DeShera, Hunter Morris, Brian Fletcher, um, Frank Thomas, it's pretty good. Pretty good company there. Yeah, it's a, it's a great list to be a top of. And he has continued to be hot. He's hit a home run, I, I believe, every game of the SEC tournament so far. Yes, he's homered in these three straight games. He's homered in five of the last six. And then if you go back past that, it's, I mean, I think it's like seven or eight of the past ten mm-hmm. games. I mean, so, he's been on a hot streak. I think he was trying to do a little too much there in the top of the night, though. Yeah, but at it's, the same it's, time. It's, it's also mean, a moment that it's, you need to be aware that Hey, with one runner on base, down three, you can't hit a three-home three, four, three home run, home run, or a grand slam <laughs> right. and win you this game. Can't get it all back in that one you, swing. You right? need to get your job needs to be getting on base, mm-hmm. setting Ike Irish up, and keep the pass the baton, keep it moving. That's what needs to happen for Auburn. Right. right. Well, we'll update you when we come back. It may be over. May, maybe Auburn will stay alive. We'll update you on what happens in Hoover. Auburn trailing 7-4. to four. We'll talk some college football as we are 100 days away from Auburn football kicking off in 2023. Then coming up at 3.30, Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. He'll join us like he does every single Thursday. Give us a call, though. We'd love to hear from you. Phone lines are still open. 334-321-1390. the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. All right, got a few more minutes before we get to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. Uh, Update on Hoover really quick. Alabama's gone to the bullpen. Auburn has a chance. They're alive. They're alive and and you just never know what's going to happen in Hoover with Auburn. And so they've gone to the bullpen doesn't look like this guy's throwing a lot, only eight innings, but decent numbers in a very small sample size mm-hmm. of Hunter Hoops. So we'll see if Auburn uh, is able to get out of it. If they're going to the bullpen, Auburn's got guys on base. They trail by three. We'll see. We'll tying, see what tying happens. Tying run is at the plate. Tying run at the plate. So we'll, we'll give you an update. If they get the hit, if they make some noise, we'll let you know. But we're 100 days away from college football and Auburn football kicking off in, in particular. And we were talking in the first hour about things that get us excited. We didn't quite get down that path. We sort of went another way, but that's how it goes sometimes. So Mm -hmm. as we get closer and closer to college football, Carter, we're 100 days away from Auburn football and most of the college football kicking off on that Saturday. Of course, Mm -hmm. though, you'll have some games before that. But 100 days away from that Saturday... What are you excited about? What what gets you excited about this upcoming Auburn football season? We've we've talked about Hugh Freeze and the changes and the fresh mindset that Auburn fans seem to have coming into this year. But for you in particular, what gets you excited about the 2023 season? 
All right, I, mean, I guess I've got an Auburn thing, and then I've got a outside of Auburn. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. I'll start with Auburn. The fact that there's hope around this program, there's positive momentum, there's some inertia moving in the right direction for Auburn, where last year you had to create fake versions of that, and I just feel like there is a competent structure in place for Auburn, you've got a really strong coaching staff. You've got more talent in the door. You're better set up for success. Your schedule's as easy as it's been in forever. You just got to capitalize. It's it's about putting the product on the field and executing the plan. And if you do that, I think that this could be a really positive first year for Auburn. When I look outside of Auburn, the idea of some parity in the SEC West it's a little more wide open than I feel like it's been in a long time like I could I could talk myself into A&M potentially winning the West or or Uh-oh. finishing at least second <laughs> I, I I don't believe that's going to happen but I'm saying just off talent I could I mean you can always talk your way talk yourself into Alabama winning the West I think LSU is going to win the West but I could talk myself into Auburn being second in the West behind LSU, yeah, I can talk myself into that pretty easily. Now, the only one I can't talk myself into is um, Ole Miss because they're going four and eight. Uh, yeah, Ole Miss and State. I'm man, so, I, I'm so excited about how bad the season's about to be for 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 um, Ole Miss. Yeah, it's going to be not so great. And, and Mississippi State just seems to be the the wild card. I mean, what mm-hmm. what are they going to be right? Given what has happened. Um, just a, a shock to the program and the college football world with the passing of Mike Leach. Um, we'll see. So what gets me excited uh, for Auburn, I'll, I'll do that as well, Auburn football and then outside of Auburn, I'm excited for what I think will be a re-energized Jordan-Hare Stadium, right? I think the fans that are at the game will go They'll be there and they'll stay there and have positivity and have confidence going into every single game. And that is what's exciting. And the buildup for us here on this program and this station, that is really exciting for me because last year was tough. It was. Mm -hmm. It was tough to talk about it. It was tough to watch it. It was tough for the fans to take it in. I know it was. I'm excited for that to really, really be a fun time for us and our listeners to to engage in what is hopefully a successful football season, it can't go many can't go many other ways than up this year compared to last year. Uh, in college football in general, I think you could see some parity of what a Final Four could look like in college football. I think it's going to be Georgia. I think it'll be either Ohio State or Michigan. Yes, those are those are the two knowns. Outside of that, I think there's a lot of possibilities. I think you could see Oregon in there. I, I think you could I, see I, LSU I in there. Oregon, I think Oregon is the third, at best, third best team in their conference this year. Possibly. I think they're third or fourth. But that feeds into what I'm saying. There's what? So you're saying there could be three or four I'm possibilities. I think it's Utah or USC out, out of that conference. And either one of those teams making the playoff, I'm cool with it because it's somebody different, right? Look at the ACC. Who in the world knows what that's going to be? What if Florida State, like you said, is going to come out and be the best team? Florida State is winning the ACC in 2023. 
and they'll make the playoff. And that's what's exciting. There's going to be, I think there will be different teams in it this year. Besides Georgia, who will just run through everybody, I think the Big Ten goes through Ann Arbor. I think the Big Ten runs through Michigan oh, I right think, now. I think you have to say that. After, after the way that they've handled Ohio State the past two times they've played, now, had Michigan played Georgia, I think Georgia ragdolls Michigan in that game. Ohio State was built to hang with with Georgia, and it showed. Because they can score. And if you don't have the best receiver in college football get hurt, if he doesn't get a get concussed or whatever it was in that game, I mean, he goes for 250 yards and four touchdowns in mm-hmm. that game and a win? Yeah, yeah. Like, he was torching a really good Georgia defense. Mm-hmm. Just, like, laying waste to it. And if they can have good quarterback play, at Ohio State. I mean, we saw Devonta Smith win a Heisman. I wouldn't put it past Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, I'm with I you. really wouldn't. I think he's I think he is as good of a receiver at the college level as we've seen in a long time. Which is what makes the Big Ten exciting because you have an actual rivalry again with Ohio State and Michigan because for the last 10 to 15 years it was the Buckeyes over and over and over and over again Uh, you have Luke Fickle at Wisconsin who knows in year one coming from Cincinnati over there the ACC is just a massive question mark it could be Clemson it could be Florida State it could be North Carolina it could be NC State it could be the field it could be a lot of those different teams same thing with the SEC who knows what the Big 12 is going to be as they bring in new schools and you have two schools on the way out. Uh, who knows what that's going to be. The Pac-12 will be up for grabs once again. That So outside of Auburn, that's what gets me excited for this upcoming college football season as we're 100 days away because it's going to be madness and I can't wait. It's going to be fantastic. I'm going to make a couple bold predictions here. Uh-oh. I think Texas actually wins the Big 12 this year. Actually, I know we say this, we feel like we like, somebody always talks themselves into Texas. I've never been that guy. But I think they actually win the Big 12 this year. So they win the Big 12 and they say peace out, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's not going to be TCU again. They they lost too much. And, and you got to think there's going to be at least a pretty decent drop-off in quarterback play because you don't have Max Duggan, who is an absolute warrior. Yes. I'll make, I'll make this predi- prediction, too. SMU goes undefeated in the American and is in the conversation for the fourth wow. for the fourth playoff spot. Okay. That would okay. that requires wins at Oklahoma and at TCU. I was just about to pull their schedule up. They're gonna win both of those games. At Oklahoma and at TCU, huh? Yep. I don't hate the TCU pick. I'll have to see what Oklahoma looks like. I mean, I, th- I think most people would say they'd feel more more confident about the Oklahoma one than the TCU one right now. I mean, yeah, maybe. Not Oklahoma me. was that bad this past they year. They were, yes, but TCU also lost that much. Like, they lost a lot, man. That yes, was a good but, team, but they lost a lot. But that's Rhett, a bold. Rhett Lashley's a, done some work in the portal and in, in yeah. re- recruiting. I think they're going to be at Oklahoma the class week two of the, of the American week two at and Oklahoma. I, and I love catching them in week two, and then and week not, four at TCU. So you get those two games out of the way, and if you win those, yeah, yeah, I your mean, toughest game after that. I don't know who's going to beat you in the American. Home versus Navy is your toughest game after that for that, SMU. That ain't a tough game anymore. That ain't. A tough oh, game who else anymore. is it? North Texas, Tulsa. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, there's nobody on that schedule. 
It'll be North Texas, I guess. Probably North Texas. All right. Well, that's a prediction then. That's a prediction. Look, we're 100 days away from college football. We're excited. I hope you are as well. Update from Hoover. Auburn has fallen to Alabama. The Crimson Tide get it done. They beat Auburn 7-4. to Auburn is out of the SEC tournament after beating Missouri in Game 1, falling to Vanderbilt last night, and then falling to Alabama Man, today. It has been a rough year for Auburn playing Alabama in sports. Yeah. Softball, softball won, and they won two, two out of three. I think Auburn's been really bad against everybody. Yeah, so Auburn Falls in the SEC tournament. Their run is done. The Crimson Tide stay alive. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, will join us when we come back. We'll talk to him about what's going on in Hoover, and we'll ask him what he's excited about for college football. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. And Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes left on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. He is Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Again, uh, Auburn falls to Alabama 7-4 to in Hoover. They have been knocked out of the SEC tournament. And this guy, I'm sure, has a few things to say. It's Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. Chris, I never did find out. Are you in Hoover this week? No, we didn't go this year. Uh, probably going to go next year. And you know, there's even been some talk of them moving this thing to a, a neutral site like a, a Dallas or a Houston ballpark that has a retractable roof. Yeah, how do you feel about that? The weather issues. Well, it's, I mean, look, the weather issues have become a normal thing in Hoover. So I'd be on board with that, but not so much with the major league ballparks. Yeah, I, I actually saw the the funny interaction that uh, Greg Sankey had on Twitter uh, where somebody tweeted at him about the games yesterday going late and and how this wouldn't happen at Minute Maid and Globe Life, and he responded, extra innings still happen indoors. And it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a, it's always a great event, and it's um, so, much, so much fun to watch these teams compete. But, man, it's a grind uh, for, for these teams to make it through a tournament like this. And uh, when you're watching these teams go through it, like in Auburn, like in Alabama, um, what do you see and what does it take to win the SEC tournament in Hoover? Well, you got to have a little luck on your side. I mean, you, you, you just do. And, you know, the reality is you go through the whole season of using, you know, your one, two, three pitchers throughout the, uh, you know, to, to get through weekend series. And, you know, you got to have a pretty good midweek starter, too. And the thought is once you get to this point in the season, you feel pretty good about your Tuesday, Wednesday night starter. But to go through the SEC tournament, man, it's like the turnaround. Most teams that were playing on Tuesday or Wednesday, they didn't go back to their Friday night starter. You can't. I mean, it's just it's too, yeah. it's too quick of a turnaround. And so what you really do have to do, you got to have a little luck, but you got to have good, reliable arms, you know, your number four, number five arms that can get you through some of these games. And so, you know, Texas A&M, I thought they got some great showing, some guys that they didn't really expect. Uh, you know, unfortunately, they lost yesterday. Um, but, you know, it was just kind of it, – it, it's, it's been that way throughout the SEC tournament. you got to have a little luck on your side. you got to have enough arms to, to get you through this week. And, you know, you get lucky. Uh, you run up against some of the big teams. You know, you, you hope the, play, the ballpark there plays a little um, – 
and you know, hopefully knock some balls out of the ballpark. And, and you know, we saw some fantastic heroics last night. I mean, from from the out, um, you know, to incredible epic games. And you know, I thought Auburn, you know, they, they played as good as they could. Man, it just it's unfortunate that the road ended for them. Yeah, Chris, you started to to dip into my next question. What have you seen from Hoover? Some surprises, surprise teams, surprise performances. Uh, and, of course, we just uh, watched Auburn wrap up and get knocked out of the SEC tournament. Yeah, I, I thought uh, LSU's pitcher yesterday was, you know, that, that was a pretty good, impressive showing because, you know, the offense is fantastic. Dylan Cruz wins SEC Player of the Year and – I, you know, wins SEC pitcher, pitcher of the year. But the big gripe on LSU has been what do they have behind schemes? And so, you know, that's kind of what they've been looking for. Thatcher Hurd was a guy who stepped up and, and ate up some innings. And uh, we'll see who they go with here uh, this afternoon. But, um, yeah, it's just more so looking at the, the top teams. You know, I was surprised Tennessee, um, you know, put up a, as lame of a showing as mm-hmm. they did. Um, One hit. You know, yeah, I mean we're we're gonna we're gonna see here and A and M, you know Schlossnagel, you know look that's a dangerous team that mm-hmm. you know is probably gonna go on the road. You know we'll see what happens with with seating and all that, but like that's a dangerous team. But I saw like uh, the projections as of a few days ago, D one baseball had them going to the Austin Regional play in Texas, like uh, or, or you know one of those teams in Texas. Like that's not a team you want to see. <laughs> you know it's like a two seed or a three seed or something yeah. like that. So. Um, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, I think the top the top teams in the SEC are still very. I mean, Arkansas is, is just loaded with their their pitching staffs really good. Um, Florida, obviously, we saw the late inning heroics last night. Their their bats are never out of the game. Same with LSU, and then you have some of the, kind of some of these middle you know middle. T- I mean, even Vanderbilt, I, I put in that category as well. Um, I actually fell asleep. It was a, you know I think it was tied <laughs> when I went to sleep last night. I fell asleep on that one, but um, yeah, it, it's. The, the SEC, some people kind of said it was top-heavy, but we saw these last couple of weeks, man, that those middle-tier teams started to resurrect themselves, the Auburns and the Alabamas, and you know, teams kind of show, hey, we're not dead, we're not out of this thing yet. So it's just going to be fascinating to see when we get to, uh, to tournament time next week what some of these teams could do, uh, particularly the ones that you know, might be going on the road. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned A uh, and M, where they were projected to go on the road to uh, Texas and Austin. I mean. Texas is going to dodge that because Texas, like the entire Big 12, is not going to host after they dropped a couple unexpected games in the Big 12 tournament. But just how much of a testament is it to the SEC and how good and how the high level of baseball that in D1 baseball's projections this morning, half of the hosts are SEC teams? Yeah, it's just come, you know, it's become what we've expected. Um, you know, it's the same thing in softball, too. Uh, yeah, and it's it's going to get that much tougher when Texas and Oklahoma come to the uh, come to the uh, to the conference next year. Obviously, I mean, I, I think softball makes it even more brutal because Oklahoma's been like a one seed every year. Mm, but in baseball, I think those are, one this year. Yeah, I mean, it, but in baseball, those are two pretty decent programs. Oklahoma's kind of up and down, but Texas is usually pretty consistent as a, a top twenty-five team most years. So. It's just going to make it that much more tough. But no, look, I, I've, you know, watching the, the amount of baseball I have this year, obviously Wake Forest has been fantastic in the ACC. That's been a, a fun story. And some of the Pac 12 teams have been pretty decent. But I, I, I would I put it this way it would be a huge disappointment if the SEC doesn't get at least three teams into Omaha. I mean, it feels that way that, you know, your Floridas, your LSUs, your Arkansas, if any of those teams are losing 
Super Regionals at home, I, I would just call that a massive disappointment. So um, we'll see. Somebody always gets hot. I mean, the, the little engine that could Ole Miss last year sneaks in and they win the whole thing. The year before, Mississippi State does it. And look at where those two programs are now. They're the only two teams not to make the SEC tournament. So um, it's all about getting hot at the right time. And that's kind of what some of these teams in the SEC tournament are doing. They're just trying to win some games and get hot at the right time and carry some momentum into the postseason. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, joining us on the phone lines, as he always does on Thursday afternoons. Chris, today marks the 100-day uh, away from college football in the SEC, kicking off for, for Auburn, of course, and, and other teams around the Southeastern Conference. We've been pondering the question and, and answering it, giving our opinions, but want to ask you, as we're 100 days away from SEC football, what are some things that you are excited about coming into the 2023 season? Well, come on. It's actually about 90-something days before we <laughs> consider Hawaii Hawaii at Vanderbilt. All right, let's not forget that one in week zero. But That was the answer um, I was looking for. You passed the test, Chris. <laughs> yeah, but, but so what was your question? What are some of the biggest questions? Yeah, or just surprise it or what you're you're excited about coming into to this 2023 season for SEC football. Yeah, I'm excited to see, like, the thought was we were losing – we were going to lose – Will Levis, Bryce Young, and Anthony Richardson, these you know, high-level quarterback talents to the draft. And obviously we saw that. And Stetson Bennett, you know, finally seven years at Georgia, still didn't graduate. It is what it is. But, uh, you know, we lose this crop of, of great quarterbacks. And we look at the group coming back, and it's actually like I wonder if this group could actually be better than what we just saw. Just co- And I mean as a collective group because – you know, look, K.J. Jefferson's back for another year at Arkansas, but he's got to change an offensive coordinator in Dan Enos. And, you know, look, Kendall Browse was okay, but I think if Dan Enos, if things click here, Arkansas could have a much more dangerous offense, much more balanced, and maybe K.J. Jefferson takes his talents to the next level. You know, Spencer Radler looked like garbage the first few weeks at South Carolina. On the backstretch of the season, nobody played better than him, you know, in beating Clemson and beating Tennessee and you know, gave Notre Dame all they could handle in the bowl game. So, you know, Spencer Rattler plays like that this whole season, he's going to be special. And then, you know, Jaden Daniels, uh, I saw at LSU that he's actually in the Heisman conversation. If he plays well and elevates his game, he's going to have LSU, you know, competing and, and winning the West again this year. So there, there's just so many good quarterbacks like that that are back. Will Rogers back in Mississippi State. I mean, this is a guy who led the country in passing the last couple of years. Um and then you got the unknowns. You know, what is Devin Leary, the, the guy who was so elite at NC State going to Kentucky, what's he going to look like? Um, you know, Joe Milton, who we saw a real small sample size, him taking over Hendon Hooker, but looked pretty good at Tennessee. And then, you know, Peyton Thorne coming to, you know, at, at, at Auburn, what is he going to look like? So there's just so many unknowns. But, man, if some of these guys hit, if some of these things click and fall, the, the pieces fall into place, collectively this could be a better, like, just – one to 14 better crop of quarterback play in the SEC than we've had in recent years and I think that would be saying something yeah I mean I think that's totally fair and you you talked about Arkansas and you talked about South Carolina and some other teams there are those your your kind of dark horse teams in the west and the east I mean as much as anybody could be a dark horse in the east with how how much Georgia has just a stranglehold on that on that division yeah, I think a lot of people are still going, you know, Georgia and Alabama's favorites. I, I, I think more people are starting to come off of Alabama a little bit. 
you know, Saban always gets the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, they got four or five star talent, but man, it's it's just been a while since we have felt this kind of uneasy about what the quarterback position is at Alabama. And so, you know, let's just safely assume that those two are the favorites. And LSU's kind of one B in the West, and Tennessee is kind of, you know, maybe I'll just say two, not one B, but but two in the East. But you know, outside of those teams, I don't know if many people like when we go to Nashville a couple weeks for SEC Media Days. I think those will kind of be most of the picks. Like, I don't know if are you really going to go out on a limb unless you're a, a South Carolina beat writer or something. Like, you mm-hmm. know, is, is that the dark horse in the East? South Carolina, Spencer Rattler, Shane Beamer, uh, you know, Nicholas Harbor, this big five star recruit that came in that Shane Beamer said they're going to use a wide receiver to start. Um, you know, they, they could catch lightning in a bottle and run a table. And, and the same thing with Arkansas. Again, don't forget, Rocket Sanders is back who led the SEC in rushing for much of last year before Quinshawn Judge jumped him at the end. Uh, you bring back Rocket Sanders, K.J. Jefferson finds some weapons in the passing game, Arkansas could be a sneaky team. So, uh, And they can't, you know, they're going to be better defensively. They couldn't have gotten much worse than they were defensively last year. So, man, it's, um, yeah, it, those are kind of some of the teams just to keep an eye on, just to keep an eye on. I mean, you know, in, in a perfect scenario, maybe Arkansas goes eight, nine wins, but who's to say they can't, win a game against LSU or you know, finally beat Alabama when they've been close in, at times in the past. You know, So it's probably a good thought, and honestly it's probably good, worth a good Vegas bet for some of these long-shot bets and you know, betting South Carolina to win the SEC or Arkansas to win the SEC. Yeah, I just, I don't know. The East, it, obviously, it just seems so, so top heavy with what Georgia did last year, what they've done in the offseason. Uh, but that's something we've talked about today, Chris, is just how exciting the SEC West is going to be because we could talk ourselves into three, four, five different teams who could legitimately win the West. Yeah, I mean, the big unknown is Jimbo and AM. Like, are they going to get their crap together and, and actually, uh, you know, put all their four and five star talent in the right in the right spots and win some games. You know, we saw it in the the weird COVID year, right? I mean, that was the year we played the full SEC schedule, and you know, I think what they went nine and one. I want to say one of those games got canceled due to COVID, but that was the first time we saw. Hey, all right, Jimbo can coach in this conference, and then the next year the quarterback play came crashing back down to earth, and they were back to this you know this this team that just is underachieving, but. Man, he understands the pressure he's under. I mean, going out and bringing in Bobby Petrino, this offense better perform better. And again, A and M could be that that team that spoils the party for everybody. And, and you know, we know they've given Alabama fits the last couple of years. Let's say they beat Bama. Let's say they beat LSU like they did last year. I mean, A and M could be one of those sneaky teams as well. So, yeah, the, the West is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I keep looking at Ole Miss's schedule. I we, we've become accustomed to. Lane's done such a good job there at Ole Miss that we've just kind of been like, oh, man, you know they're going to be good. I don't know now. Like, I have real questions about that defense and how bad it's going to be. Pete Golding, I think, is a good defensive mind, but he just does not have the pieces in there right now. So if that offense struggles at all in terms of turnovers, whether it's Jackson Dart or Spencer Rattler, and they're throwing a bunch of interceptions, that schedule is tough enough. I mean, we could be talking about a, a 7-5 or everything goes bad, a 6-6 six and six type season for Ole Miss. And that might be, you know, worse in the SEC, in the SEC West, when we're talking about the pecking order between them and Mississippi State and all the others. 
Well, we shall see. It'll be here before we know it. Chris, we are 100 days away from most of the SEC kicking off. You're right. Vanderbilt does play a little bit early. And hey, look, I got excited about that game last year and Carter got mad at me. So I can't I can't hype up that game too, too much. But Chris Gordy, host of the Lockdown SEC podcast. He joins us every Thursday at 3.30 right here on On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Chris, as always, brother, it's always good to talk to you. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and what you got coming up on Lockdown SEC. Yeah, just Locked on SEC wherever you get your podcasts. On today's show, I encourage you to go check it out because I had a little rant. Stop moving college games off of college campuses. I'm getting sick of this. We heard Penn State and Michigan State are going to play at Ford Field. Yeah. It's going to happen in the SEC. We already have all the openers that were played in Atlanta and Houston and Dallas. Now the playoff is expanding. We're going to get even more games at neutral sites. Stop taking college games off of college campuses. It's what makes the college game great. It's the pageantry. It's all the environment, tailgating, all that. Nobody wants to go tailgate at Jerry's World, all right? We want them on college campuses. Stop moving them. Let them know, Chris. Let them know. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Let them know. And and look, I'm sure you had a fantastic say and a rant about that on your show. So go check it out, Locked on SCC, wherever you get your podcast. Chris, we'll talk to you next week, man. Enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. That is Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Again, joins us every Thursday at 3.30 right here on On The Line. When we come back, we'll wrap it all up on the other side here on the Thursday edition of On The Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Big, big thank you to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. Uh, he joins us every Thursday at 3.30. He's been with me for a while now, and so we appreciate him every single week talking to us all things SEC as the SEC tournament rolls on in Hoover, LSU, and Arkansas get going in about 40 minutes or so. Auburn drops their game to Alabama. They are out of the SEC tournament. Uh, if you missed any of today's show, uh, we have talked baseball we've talked football as Auburn uh, falls short in the SEC tournament we're also a hundred days away from Auburn football kicking off and so the countdown is on ladies and gentlemen it's on and um, look it'll be here before you know it that's all I can tell you SEC media days right around the corner in July and then you've got a kickoff coming up for for the SEC just a few weeks after that and so if you missed any of today's show be sure to go and catch up with the podcast you can find it one of two ways at ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast and uh, Chris was saying go check his show out today because he had a nice little rant talking about college football games getting moved from college campuses and I'm with him man I hate that that he's right that's what makes college football so special is when you get to have home and homes with teams that don't always get to play each other but you told me earlier earlier this week Jerry Jones likes money he does. Doesn't make it right, but he does. <laughs> money, money talks, brother. Money talks. And no, I agree. I think it's stupid, and I think that Georgia, Florida needs to be on campus. Uh, Texas A&M, Arkansas should be on campus. I mean, we could do this for all of the games. Well, the one he brought up was the one that was announced this week of Michigan State and Penn State, Which I believe, being played at Ford Field in Detroit. Like, why? why so we can all watch a pretty good Penn State team beat a really bad Michigan State team in a 75 percent filled stadium in a dome that's filled 75 percent that then (laughs) has to get it's something like I think it is I think the Lions play at home that Thursday 
the Michigan State-Penn State game is going to be that Friday, and then Michigan State playoffs in the same stadium are Saturday and Sunday. What a disaster that's going to be. Yes. That's a, it, it, maybe a dumb question. Is that is it turf in there, or is it... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's a dome, brother. They have natural There's, grass in some domes. Maybe not in that one. In one dome. In one <laughs> dome. And it's also the place where, what, it's the reason why we had horrible footing in the Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Out in, what was that, Cali or... Arizona. Arizona, that's right. That's right. The Cardinals Stadium. Yeah, that's right. It was bad in the 2010 National Championship game. Yeah, it Auburn was. Auburn had to change, change their cleats in the middle of the game. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm with Which, Chris... Let's be honest, Under Armour's not exactly known for having great cleats, and we can have that discussion another time. <laughs> yeah, we do not have time for that. But go check Chris out, Locked on SEC. We appreciate him joining us as he does every Thursday. If you missed any of our content here today, go and check out our podcast. We post the show right after we go off the air at ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Coming up tomorrow as we wrap up the week and get into the weekend, we'll give you uh, the scores from the SEC tournament talk about who's alive who goes home and uh we'll talk some more football and basketball news for auburn as we wrap up the week what's been a very very busy week in auburn athletics in general and so that'll be tomorrow two to four right here on espn 106.7 until then though have a good night stay safe and uh, we'll be back tomorrow here two to four right here on espn 106.7 until then stay safe i'll talk to you later